Blog Talk Radio. Again, that number is 646-595-2118. Scan number 3116. Let me start off by reading our mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Thank you all for joining us tonight on NASA Stop Child Abuse Now radio show. We are so honored for all of those that have joined us. I see a couple of new people on here. All right, Ms. Kim, how are you? Okay, she went on the other line to take a call. Sorry about that. All right, she'll be with us in a couple of minutes. Uh, So, again, I just want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Uh, Here at NASCA, we really do take child abuse very seriously, and we really focus on healing and recovery for survivors. You know, today, nowadays, we have new information. We have access to more resources to help prevent child abuse. We have so much more access to support groups and uh, a lot of different, again, options. Uh, I know here on NASCA on the website, 
there are a lot of different sections of the website that that have wonderful resources. We have a lot of people who take the time to volunteer and to support survivors of abuse. Um, and and I'm one of those people. We're on the website, Miss Miss Kim as well. She's one of those people. Um, I know Miss Carol and uh, Mr. Bill. A few people on there, and we definitely want to share the support. We know that recovery is not a linear thing. There's so many different paths to recovery, and we just have to understand that you just have to be patient uh, with recovery. You cannot be hard on yourself, and you cannot uh, blame yourself for for the process of healing. Like, you know, people go through stages of unforgiveness, they, they have a hard time forgiving. They get upset with themselves. And I try to just tell people and remind them, it's okay. Recovery is a process. Every day you can work on healing. You can work on forgiveness. But you cannot be harsh on yourself or hard on yourself if you're having a hard time forgiving and if you still have some areas of anger. All you can do is just work on it. It's a process, Okay. So um, just wanted to share that. Again, um, if anybody would like to join the panel, the call number is 646-595-2118, and we are on scan number 3116. Kim? Oh, hello, Dr. Nancy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. It looks like we also have our wonderful founder on the line with us. Bill, are you oh. there? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm here. I uh, I promised hey. I would be. Oh, hey. <laughs> Good. Yeah. What, what a, a always happy to have you on. Yeah. Yes. What so a who is, who is Who is Sharon? Sharon with who? We have uh, Miss. Tehran. Tehran. Okay. I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Devon. Is she on mute? Yes. You want me to bring her on? No, she's, uh, she's yeah. here, but I just didn't. Oh, um, you know where she's from and so forth. I wanted a little information about her. Well, that's okay. We'll find out as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. She's a friend of Nancy's, Dr. Nancy's friend. Great. So. Great. 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 Well, welcome. If she's well, muted. Let's bring okay. people on. Yeah, see. we'll put them there if anybody wants to talk. I also see Mr. Phil. Philip, so great to see him. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hello, how are you doing today? Good. So great to, to hear from you. I always enjoy when you join us. It's always a good time. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Hi, Mr. Ron. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Hi. Thank you for joining us tonight. Welcome. Yep, we appreciate it. We don't we don't really have a guest tonight, but we're just talking a little bit about. I hear a little echo. We're talking about the importance of speaking out. And uh, speaking out against child abuse, you know, it's so important to speak out against it. It's important to share your testimony. And the more you talk about it, 
the stronger you start to become, the stronger you start to feel. But not only that, the more you talk about it, the more you bring awareness to it, okay, to that ugly little secret. And we don't have to walk in shame, you know. Also, the importance of recovery. And that's one of the things that we talk a lot about on this show, the importance of walking in your healing and walking in recovery. And it's a process. What's your thought about that, Ms. Kim? Yeah, I um, I know. Yeah, it's a continuous journey that I think I will most likely be on for the rest of my life. You know, there's ebbs and flows, and there's things that trigger you more than others. And it seems like, you know, sometimes it's a day, and sometimes it's, you know, it's played out in the month where you're to reach out and get some help if you, in whatever way that you feel comfortable too, because it's not always an easy thing to reach out and ask for help. And sometimes it may just be, you know, getting reading a book or listening to a book on paper. You know, whatever's you going in your healing process is what is important to being able to do right. and I think I'm always impressed with the younger crowd, you know, younger kids that are, I know, like 20s and 30s. They're not really kids, but they're kids to me because my kids are those ages, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who are really speaking out and are really voicing, you know, that this needs to change. And I think that's what is going to change it eventually and make it stop is, um, that's the only way that it will is if we all speak out more about it. But you still, you know, I, I see people weekly in my classes that aren't necessarily convinced that, you know, this is the route to take is to talk about it and get it all out there. And then I'm going to a church this next Sunday where we've already got 45 people signed up. And this church is amazing. Well, I've, I've well. already trained with them. About seven years ago, when I first got my certification, and um, and now they're bringing me back. But I've also trained one of their staff members to be a facilitator, and so now she can take darkness to light and to all of the churches because they're you know affiliated with several churches in in Colorado. And so, I mean, that's always been my really my heart is to get people out there that are spreading the word, you know, because I can only do so much. So, um, but you've got to have people that are willing to stand up. And and I think it's a scary thing. It is scary. Some people aren't ready. I And I don't blame people because I wasn't ready till I was almost 50 years old, too. So, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it really is a journey that you have to take and it has to be personal to you and nobody can push you. Or make you do right. um, your heal your healing. It has to be on your own terms. So yeah, that's yeah. my my thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? And, and that was good what you said. <laughs> mhm. Go ahead, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, some things that have helped me, or a class at a church that I took for sexual integrity, mm-hmm. that was really helpful. 
Mm-hmm. And something else that helps me is volunteering. Yeah, volunteering. Yes. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Where do you volunteer? Um, you I volunteered at a soup kitchen, mm. a church, and NA meeting. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. And just like you said, I mean, everybody's healing journey different uh, is going to be different. You know, we can't be hard on ourselves. And we have to be patient. We don't have to rush ourselves through the healing. But if you can do something that will make you better, volunteering. That's one of the things that I enjoy doing. Um, I agree with Mr. Phillip because it makes you feel, well, I'll speak for myself, it helps me feel like my life has purpose. Even if some people or someone may not think that my life has purpose or that my life has any type of value, I know that I feel that I'm being used by the Lord for a purpose to help others. And and then you feel good. It fills my heart up. I feel good. I feel qualified. I feel, you know, um, that I'm, again, being used and walking in purpose, being used for a good purpose and uh, walking in my purpose. And that is very healing to me. Um, what's your thought about that, Mr. Bill? I, I um, think the two, the two things that have been brought up so far are, are reason why. Two things that have come up so far are really good things that we could talk about, you know, basically every show. Because I think they belong to every every person in recovery. Namely that you want to um, get the story out of you, uh, and uh, and and that's something we all share. You know, we don't all do it, unfortunately, but the um, the experience that I've had, and I think a lot of people will agree with, is that those people who don't get it out suffer a great deal because it, it, it doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. It'll never just go away. But and it, and it won't even go away just because you talk it out. It'll go away because you talk it out and then you listen to others. So, you know, so that you're you can't do it alone. It, it requires a community. Um, and then mm-hmm. the second point that was that was made was the um, the, the act of volunteering is so important to uh, recovery of all kinds and spirituality, pretty much. Period. But recovery. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get a lot out of it. Everybody said the same thing so far. I get a lot of, out of it. It's, it's not just to help the person that I might help, although I, I sincerely want to help them, but I find that an unexpected thing happens early on, and that is that I get helped, that it helps me. And I did not experience, I did not expect that to be the case, but I hear that from everybody. You know, so these two things are, are kind of universal. Uh, the getting the story out uh, and sharing of the story in, in a community setting is best of some some kind of community it could be a therapist in you but it's a community <laughs> and uh, and being of service and it does not have to be as Philip said does not have to be in in the area of child abuse uh, recovery or whatever although we, we need that um, it can be a soup kitchen you know it can be anything I used to do community policing and believe me that's really needed 
So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just getting out of yourself and into the, into the other people around you uh, so that you're, you kind of open your brain to the fact that you're not the only one, which is mm-hmm. part of our problem. We think we're the only one until we get into recovery. So that's my, what I, that was my thinking on the first two topics. Now, by the way, I did change the description of the show to if you you might have to refresh the page to see it, but I put our um, invitation for people to call in at the very top, and then I followed it by our, our mission statement. And this is what I'll do when we don't have a guest. I'll put the, I'll put this same kind of uh, notice here, and it's on the web page now too, uh, so that people will know if they want to listen to these uh, discussion type shows about NASCA, good and bad. Uh, that's what they'll find when they come to this show. And that's, we invite them to call in, of course. Uh, so, you know, describe and be critical of if you want our tools, programs, services, you know, uh, just participate. We need participation. So thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Is anybody yeah. interested no, in hearing I'm for critical. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What were you saying, Philip? Sorry. We both came out. What were you saying? <laughs> Is anybody interested in hearing what happened to me as a child? Yeah, we would love to. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're willing to share? Please. Yes, please. right now. Yeah. Well, I was physically and sexually assaulted by my father, emotionally neglected by my mother, and bullied several times by friends. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you went through that, Philip. Did you ever get a chance to, did you ever tell anyone? Well, um, I've been telling my friends at church. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. Good that you started speaking up about it. Did you ever speak to the people that did the bullying or the abuse? Uh, um, no. Should I? Oh, no, I don't know. I was just asking, have you ever had a chance to, to speak to them or to say, hey, what you did hurt me or you just never have? That's a personal choice. I haven't. No? Okay. That's a personal choice. <laughs> Can I ask you, um, did I ask you how old you are? 25. Mind me asking? Yeah, and 25. you are an adult. Yeah, you're an adult. So, so if I, I struggle with this all the time, too. I really do. Recognizing that as an adult, you have choices. You have more choices than you did as a child. And what happened should not have happened to you. And I'm so sorry. And it's not right. It's never going to be right. And it's not a matter of if you think or if we think you should talk to anybody. It's a matter of how you feel. Now, mm-hmm. I have I have a, a hard time talking to people. When I start to get into anything serious, that in, involve my feelings, and especially 
with the people that have been abusive to me, you know, because they are still around as well. And are you, are you still in contact with your family? Yeah. Well, just my mother. Sometimes I talk to my father, yeah. but he doesn't make me feel good about myself, so I try not to. Yeah. Well, and that's, you shouldn't send it. You know, if he makes you feel like that, you have the right at 25 years old to say, I'm not going to take that anymore and walk away. I mean, that would even make a stand. I need a huge stand walking away from my husband, and it's been, and, and it doesn't make it easy once you do that either. That you need to be ready. So really, it's not you know a matter of what we think. It's a matter of what you think and how you dealt with things and how you can articulate when you start to to confront somebody um, because you want to be able to do it in a way that you feel powerful. You're not empowered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so that is something that, you know, probably your therapist, if if you're seeing somebody, it'd be a good thing to talk about not only, not just when to do it, but what to say. And I think that has more to do with than when to do it. Because I think once you get down what you want to say and you feel really confident about that, then you'll have, you know, then you'll, Recognize the time when the time is right. Thank you for sharing, Philip. That's it's so brave of you. And we really do love you, and we're glad that you're here. And we're sorry that all of that happened. Thank you. You're welcome, Philip. And again, thank you for your honesty and transparency. I know it takes a while to feel comfortable talking about it, but, you know, when you start sharing, you start taking back your power. When you start talking about it, the more you talk about it, the stronger you become, the stronger you feel. And then, and that just helps some people in their healing journey. Okay. So just keep sharing. Hopefully one, one day we'll be able to get you on the show and, you know, you'll be able to talk about it more, but you did great because I know normally, it, you know, if that's not an easy topic to talk about, okay? So we are proud of you. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you. Ms. Sharon, I know you're there. I don't know if there's anything in particular that you wanted to, to say, um, but I, I know that you do... Um, get a chance to hear from from um, the young men sometimes, and a lot of times it's hard for them to share what they've been through because you know everybody feels the men should be strong, and everybody needs to heal. Everybody needs to walk in their healing. What's your? Is there anything in particular you wanted to say, or did you want to make a comment about what Mr. Phillips said? Oh, I actually wanted to comment on Philip and encourage him not to let what happened to him stop him from reaching his potential because, you know, you can um, feel a little in his voice, but I'm glad mm-hmm. he has a support system with you guys and and to know that what happened to him was not his fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
like you said, Nancy, a lot of times guys don't talk because it's what um, sexual abuse they think should not happen to guys. It only happens to girls, but it does happen to guys. I work in a male mm-hmm. facility, and they come in all the time being abused by their um, uncle, brother, father, and they don't want to talk because they're embarrassed mm-hmm. of what happened to them. But it's not mm-hmm. your fault, and it's okay because, as Nancy say, that's part of your healing is to let someone know. Well, that's true. You heard her, Philip? Yes. You did a great job. We're all very proud of you. And, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, if you're talking about it, you're, you know, you're being a burden, you're bothering people with it and all of that, but your recovery belongs to you. Your recovery belongs to you. And if that's what you need to do in order to walk in your healing, then that's what you need to do. Another thing that Ms. Kim said earlier is, um, and she said this to um, Mr. Phillips, was, hey, if you don't want to talk to your father, if that's what you need to do to protect your peace, then that's what you need to do. And unfortunately, sometimes in order to to have some self-preservation, and protect your peace and your mental health, sometimes you got to get away from people who still trigger you, still upset you, and don't respect you or say things that are hurtful. That doesn't help you in recovery. You have to surround yourself with people who want to love you, support you, and most importantly, respect you. So that's very important in recovery surrounding yourself with people that are looking to support you and help you heal. Does anybody have a comment? Yeah, I do. Um, no, how do you? I, uh, I wanted to say, Philip, that I learned after a while that I, could, I shouldn't just, you know, when, it was, when, it, when I was um, uh, dying to get my story out, you know, <laughs> Um, not to do it by going to the rooftop and shouting it out, you know, that's not the way to do it. And and also, you know, you, you don't ever have to do it, any of this alone because uh, we have a similar experience. We understand what you're going through, what it feels like that you're going through and so forth. Your mom may not. She may, um, she may not have to be told what she did to you, you know, but she probably will have to be told how it felt to you, how whatever occurred in your life felt, because that's the thing that we haven't been sharing, and we don't dare share it with our parents, for example. We, they're too um, angry and mean and whatever. But now that we're adults and we have our own two feet and we have our friends in recovery, um, we, may, we may take the risk someday of sharing what, of not not just not the story of what happened because she knows what happened. She was there, but um, of how it felt to you, how the inside stuff went on, not the outside stuff. And uh, so I just wanted to say that you know, you ne- like I say, you never have to do this alone. I, I've you know uh, heard from you now for uh, you know for a while, and we all have a few weeks. And we realize that you're getting stronger and stronger, which is wonderful. Uh, but um, there's no uh, time frame by which 
any of this has to be done. It's much better to wait a little while and make sure you're strong enough or that you have people around you in your immediate circle, you know, uh, that you can, um, that, that you, you know will understand it. And uh, by immediate circle, I don't mean like living in the, in the, in the town next door. I mean, in, in, in recovery here, you know, you can have friends that are from across the country, but they get to know you. In fact, we're, we're all from different parts of the country. <laughs> and, um, you know, we really support each other. We understand each other, and we want to help each other. So I just um, I don't want you to worry about having to get it out too fast um, or in a way that might hurt you because I don't want you to get, you know, black coming back to you um, until you're, you're strong enough and have enough strength around you with other people that uh, you'll, you'll be fine. As far as we're concerned, we, you, know, you can stay here and just keep sharing with us until you feel that way, and we have no problem okay. with that, Philip. So, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, one thing that Mr. Bill said, you're welcome. One thing that Mr. Bill said earlier that really stuck out was the word community. And when you're recovering and you're walking in your healing and or you're ready to start talking about it and sharing, and it, there's nothing better than having a community of people who understand, who can relate, and who can support you, you know. Um, being told not to tell after being abused or uh, hurt, being told not to tell, it's like that that freedom is taken away from you. And when you start to tell, when you start to talk, you you start speaking on your terms. You're talking on your terms and no one is there to put their hand over your mouth. And you gain a sense of freedom. And that freedom is what helps to empower you in your recovery. And so um, it is important to talk about it. Uh, sometimes it could start with talking to a counselor, a therapist, a close friend, someone you trust, and then, you know, the support groups. I know that we have a lot of um, different support groups. Uh, even being on the radio is a support group because you're with a community of people that understand, and it's a safe space. And then as you grow and you feel stronger, just like Mr. Bill said, then you can visit the idea of, you know, fronting or talking outside of the safe space. And, you know, and that's about it. Just, it's, it's all about stages. I know, Ms. Kim, you were going to say something earlier? Oh, I I don't know. How are you feeling now, <laughs> Philip? Philip, about everybody. Okay, how do you feel right Wait. now? <laughs> How are you um, feeling right now? Kind of depressed because my mom's going to be home in a while. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you ever notice things that you can do that help? you not feel as anxious? Um, leaving. <laughs> Just leaving? <laughs> yeah. Leaving. <laughs> Just leaving the house? Getting away? Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have Speaking places to, to go? You have friends and stuff. Um, right just, now, you just leave until she. Right now, I go to NA meetings on Tuesday and Thursday, and my friend Phil picks me up, so I kind of have some place to go. So oh, good. And then you're on here for a while. So, yeah, on Mondays and Wednesdays. I think you're being very smart and and just finding ways to deal with the situation. And sometimes that means just leaving. So I'm just sorry you have to do that. It'd be nice to have you. Can you be very sorry about it? What's that? Do you think I'm being smart about it? Being smart? Like in a good way? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you are. It sounds like you're you're doing what you need to do to make yourself. And that's all you can do because you can't change her. She's not going to change. All you can do is make yourself feel better. So if that means leaving, then I think that's not a bad choice. Or, you know hanging out in your room until she goes to bed and then, you know, being able to get out again. Um, You know, remember that you're an adult and so you have the right to be able to leave if you you are not happy with the situation. I'm sorry you get that. I'm starting to grow, so I have a feeling that someday I'll be able to move out. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Do you have a job? No, but I have worked several jobs. Good. What do you like to do? What would your dream job, like if you could do anything in the world and it sounds really fun and it would make you money? It'd probably be a fireman. Fireman. You could do that if you wanted to up. All right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe you could do it. Yeah, I believe in you too. And why a fireman? Um, what do you like about firemen? I like helping others. And mostly, um, mostly helping others like that. That's a good job. Yep. Yeah. And you like helping others? Good. But at the end of the day, we're proud of you. You're doing a good job, and you're. Actually, helping others, you know, for somebody who's listening today and probably feels like they're alone, like they can't talk about what they've been through. You're definitely an inspiration because you're showing them that they can do it too. You hear me, Philip? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. You well, I admire job. you. Mm-hmm. I admire you tremendously because 
like I was saying before, you know, earlier that it always impressed me when you're able to your healing process a lot sooner than I did, you know, and not keep it stuck in because I think it makes it, well, I don't know if it makes it easier, but maybe it does. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm just, yeah, I'm impressed that you are doing what you are doing at 25. You're a, a great example. For Thank you. A lot of people. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. You deserve it. You deserve it. And it's definitely, you know, it's, it's definitely something to definitely, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I admire you. I would just say that. I admire your bravery because a lot of people, they suffer in silence. And just like Ms. Kim said, a lot of people don't talk about it till later on in their life. I know a lot of people. I know I didn't really start feeling comfortable till later on as well. It's not something that I felt comfortable talking in front of people. I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. Yeah, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. And I didn't want to be associated with it because it's not something that I chose for myself. So I, I really fought it, and I really struggled with it, and uh, it was just very hard for me. Um, and so, you know, the more you talk about it, the more you surround yourself with other survivors and people that are really taking their recovery serious, it helps to empower you, and it helps to it helps you in your healing journey, so. You're doing you're doing a good job. You're being consistent. You're showing up. You're reaching out. You're doing the steps. You're volunteering. You're giving back. You know, sometimes people go through abuse, and they, unfortunately, it really affects them in a very negative, it has a severe negative impact on their lives. Sometimes they become abusers. Sometimes they really struggle with mental illness severely, you know, and then they get stuck there. They don't do the work to try to get out. Because, I mean, I know it's affected me, but every day I work towards my recovery. Every day I do, I do the work. Every single day I have to do something towards my recovery. It's a lifelong journey for some of us, most of us. Are you religious? Am I religious, you say? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I have a personal relationship with... I just started tithing. Okay. And... You said you heard me typing. You started typing. Me... What? You said you're typing? Yes. Okay. Already I'm having opportunities to earn more money. So I'm going to keep tithing and see where it takes me. Yes. That's good. Practice makes perfect. So if you keep practicing, you'll get better at it. I'm trying to be consistent with it because my parents are never consistent. And I'm trying to be a good adult figure for, like, um, whoever is going to be in my life. 
So I think mm-hmm. that instead of doing it, spending all my money one week tithing, I'm going to try to do it over the weekly and trying to aim for consistency. Okay. Are you saying tithing? Yes. Oh, At okay. Church. I thought you. Oh, okay. At first, I thought you said typing. I'm sorry, I misheard you. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely good. You know, God put it in your heart, and you're doing that, and I think that's a wonderful thing. How does it make you feel? Um, I like giving a lot. And that means that you're doing the right thing. It feels good in your heart. Yeah. You feel good. You're, you know, God's putting it in your heart and you're happy doing it. You're doing a good job. What else do you do at church? Um, I have a Bible study group on Thursdays. A Bible study? Yeah. Oh, that's good. What have you learned so far? Um, I learned about Ruth and how she found uh, um, a man that wanted to work with her. Good. Okay, good. So do you feel empowered, like, when you go to church? How does it make you feel? Um... Let me think. It makes me feel confident. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say empowered, maybe. Mhm. Good. That's good. Have you made a lot of friends at church? A couple of people have you met? A few people in there? Yes, yeah, I've made a lot of friends at church. Wow, that's good. And they're nice? Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, it's it's also good to surround yourself around positive people and not stay home, isolating yourself and just thinking about negativity and the negative people that are not happy with you or angry with you or upset you or trigger you. You surrounding yourself with positivity and love. You're doing a wonderful job. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. When you surround yourself with positivity and with love, you're able to give that back to others. Hmm. Yeah, it fills you That's up good. with love. Yeah, it fills, like, you get I filled like up with positivity. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and that's why you're even doing the kitchen, and you feel good watching. Others get filled up with good food, those that are hungry. You know, you're smiling. Especially poor people. They're smiling. Yeah, especially poor people. I think that's a great thing. Anybody else uh, on here, do you guys volunteer? I think that's a wonderful thing to do, volunteering and giving up your time. And how does that make you feel when you volunteer? Oh yeah, I, I come from a I family. Like to go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I was just gonna say I like to help out 
at my grandkids' school now that my kids are grown. I get to go to State City with my granddaughter next weekend, so I don't know that I'll be dating or not, but maybe. That's not how I'm feeling. (laughs) That's not how (laughs) pretty I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mr. Bill. I was going to say that um in a way I was in a way I was lucky because I um found myself in a family of volunteers. everybody in my um well and actually in my extended family, my aunts and uncles and cousins and all that. Um they were very much volunteers. They a lot of them volunteered at the church. It's the Catholic Church, the local parish or whatever. But beyond that, they went out in the community and did other things. My father worked for nonprofits a long time. Uh, and so I, I got to see um, examples of people in, doing that in action, you know, as I was growing up. And and they, um, you know, encouraged my sister and I to follow through, and we both did. But one of the things that uh, I was surprised when, Philip mentioned it was the firefighting, um, you know, and I, I think it's an excellent uh, thing to consider because, first of all, there's there aren't any people that feel bad about firefighters. Firefighters enjoy one of the best reputations of any career, really. Maybe service people and firefighters, but um, you know they um, because they they are unselfish. They run into the fire, you know, when we run out. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of guts to do that, frankly. It takes a lot of training, too, Phelps. So, you know, there's you're constantly training, frankly. But at first, um, there's a lot of training to uh, to earn certain kind of marks that, that allow you to be, be a firefighter at all. So I don't want you to be, you know, naive about that. It's just It's just a fact. And, you know, in some places, my father was a firefighter. He was a... Uh, volunteer firefighter. We had a lot of volunteers in my family for firefighting and some cops. Um, basically, <laughs> I come from a family of um, small business owners, cops, fire- firefighters, and nurses, <laughs> and people that work at the church. That's about it. <laughs> and um, my father was the first of his big family, 13 siblings. He was the oldest boy, so he went into the firefighters, volunteer fire department in his town, and a lot of his brothers, and now my cousins and so forth, and now my second cousins, their children, have been in the fire department for a long time. So when I came to California, especially when I when I first bought this house, I decided, okay, now I've made a commitment to a community, to a neighborhood. Uh, it's time for me to, you know, to look look around for something I could do volunteer wise, and I went to the police, to the uh, fire station, and uh, and I expressed the fact that I came from this family of firefighters, and I'd love to do it here as well. And they said, "Well, that's wonderful, except we don't have volunteers in Los Angeles." <laughs> hey, you know, and so they said, "But you know what? The police department does." <laughs> So I went, I went over to the police department, and that's where I ended up volunteering, and I did that for years. In fact, in a way, I still do it. But um, 
you know, it became community policing. And uh, although community policing doesn't have the same, you know, kind of uh, healthy ring to it <laughs> that volunteer fire department does, it's still okay. It's, it's cool. And, um, you know, you, you learn a lot about yourself and how you fit into uh, the group that's doing it with you. Because you're not, you're not always the boss and you're not always the peon at the end. You know, you're somewhere in the middle. And uh, you have to um, you have to earn your stripes, as they say, and so forth, too. So anyway, I like the idea of firefighting a great deal, but I want you to know it's not easy. It's hard, as a matter of fact, to, just to become one. But it is so rewarding to you and to the community around you. You never see people you know, sort of uh, frowning at firefighters in the grocery store with them, you know. <laughs> we, all, we all smile at them, <laughs> and we should. <laughs> they deserve it. I think you deserve it too, Philip. That was good. I think that's so important, uh, servicemen, you know. Uh, I think that volunteer policing is amazing. I mean, yeah. that's a hard job to do. I think volunteering as a firefighter as well is amazing. And that's probably a good way to, if you're not going to do it as a job yet, that's probably a good way to try to get your feet wet and try it out and see if that's something that you would like to invest your time doing. So, hey, uh, I'm not sure what the process is to volunteer, but Maybe, Philip, you should do a little research, and maybe you can start there, volunteer at the as a firefighter, a volunteer firefighter. Why not? That's, um, I'll talk to my neighbors because my friends, well, somebody who comes to the ranch to check on cows or firemen, mm-hmm. so maybe I'll start there or as volunteers, yeah. like you said. Yeah, I mean... Hey, if they tell if you want to work, then you work. If you want to volunteer, then you volunteer. But that fact that you know people that are already firefighters, those are great people, great resources to reach out to and ask about it. I think that's a great idea what you just said. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm, what are you gonna say? I like my community at NA meetings. Because I feel like it's, I feel like they're my really, my real family because we have a lot of things in common. You know, a lot of people feel that about, well, for for example, NASCAR, about whatever they get into, that it gets them away from their family of birth, but it introduces them to their family of choice. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's much better. It's, It's good to have a family of choice. That you basically, mm-hmm. you know, appreciate uh, appreciates you back, and that's when you feel like you fit in. And I, I always felt that I was, you know, I, I must have been born in the wrong family, wrong situation, and so forth. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us feel that way. W- how come I was born mm-hmm. into this situation? But you don't feel that way when you choose your own family. You are grateful. Uh, first of all, you're grateful they let you in, <laughs> or at least I was. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then I think if you if you volunteer in that family, if you you know make a contribution to the community or family, uh, you know that you're in, 
um, you, you 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 get you feel some ownership of it eventually. You know, it's like you're not there because there's nowhere else for you to go. You're there because you want to be there, and you're helping to build the the strength of the community as well. So you have stuff to be proud of, really proud of um, that you're you know that you're making a difference to other people's lives. And then, of course, as I said before, as you make a difference to other people's lives, you start to realize how much uh, the, the work that you're doing makes a change in, in your life for the positive. Yeah. Philip, you heard him. I think that's great. <clears throat> Philip, you heard him? Um, kind of. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hurting, but he said that he felt grateful for his second family because he didn't like his birth family. He felt he was born to the wrong family. Mhm. Yep. And again, you know, when you surround yourself with other survivors, that creates community that creates like a family of people that can relate and can support you better you know because your your real family yeah because your real family sometimes they don't understand what you're dealing with sometimes they haven't gone through it or just the they're so familiar that they you know it's just sometimes it's just hard to relate to understand but when you find a community of people who can relate to what you've been through, it just it just you feel supported and it's a lot it's just very helpful to you and your recovery. And they become like a family for to you, you know. Just like uh when you're going to church, when you were talking about the people at church, they're so nice. You guys, you know, they support you. They love you. They're nice to you. They're kind. That makes you feel loved, and that becomes a family because it's a safe place. It's a safe space. They're a safe group of people, and they make you feel safe, and they become your family, right? They're like family to you, or yeah. are they like family to you? Mm-hmm. Um, um, um. Yes, I guess so. Maybe. Sorry, I'm uh, kind of thinking about um, my NA family too. Yeah. And why? Why are they like a family to you? Um, because they accept me, and they help me, and I can yep. share without being hated or told that I'm wrong. And they don't tell me to shut up and make me act like I'm nobody. Right. Well, that's perfect. That's why uh, we were saying that, you know, finding people who are a safe space, they become more like family sometimes than your own family. Just becomes a safer place. And I'm glad that we can relate on that. But um, you are? No, I said that many of us can relate to you with that, that sometimes 
having the group of people outside of your real family, they still become like a family to you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Is there anything else you want to Go ahead, Ms. Kim. All right. Have you read the book, Faith People? What book? How to Find Relationships. It's called Faith People. No, I haven't. How to Find Relationships that are good for you and how to avoid those that aren't. That would be a good book. I'm still reading them. I'm on, well, I'm I'm just about done, but I have it on Audible because I don't read very well. (laughs) I fall asleep when I read. Um, (laughs) But I can listen to it all day (laughs) and not fall asleep. So, So, yeah, most of my books are on Audible. But, it, yeah, it's called Safe People, and it's by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Safe People? I just found it. Yeah, S-A-F-E, People, E-O-P-L-E. But what color, what color is the cover, Miss Kim? Because I see two different ones. Um, it's white with a red circle in the oh, middle. I see it. I see that one, and then I saw the blue one. Okay, I'm going to save it. Yep, I'm going to save it. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really good book. I've got um, several books that I start reading, and then I get overwhelmed a little bit, and I have to take a break. (laughs) But um, (laughs) there's also (laughs) the Emotionally Destructive Relationship. Which is also a good one by Leslie Vernick. She's a, a Christian author. What's it called? The emotion, emotionally destructive relationship. Emotionally destructive relationship by Leslie Vernick. By Leslie Vernick. V e r n i c k. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, those are the most of the Yes, emotionally abusive, yeah. By Beverly. Um her name's Leslie. By Leslie. Leslie Verdict. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, um and I've got more too if you you're still looking, but I've got a bunch on my Audible that um, I open every once in a while and listen to when I kind of feel I need to be a little empowered or something. Yeah. You know, I think I have- in general, it's this time of year, like the holidays, and then up until it starts you know, flying outside <laughs> are really hard times for a lot of survivors. And, um, you know, there's just so many different holidays going on. And so it can be hard. So we're, we're glad that you're reaching out, Philip. Anybody, anybody who wants to come on and talk or be here to support you. 
Yeah. Mm, that's good that you said that because we don't always have all the answers. Um, a lot of times, I know you said that you'll start reading a book and then you don't get to finish and then you get another one, but the fact that you're even reading some of that book, you're getting something from that book. And so it's good that you're going outside of just yourself and the people around you, but you're also having those resources and reading and learning and adding to what you already know and what you've already learned, learning and educating yourself. And that's important, you know. That's how we're able to help other people because we're we're doing the work to heal and we're learning ways that we can be better people and that we, we're able to share those things and those tools with other people in their recovery. So I know definitely uh, sometimes I, I have to read a lot because I'm always in school, but I'm thinking about getting myself some audio books for the in between because there's so many books that I have in my room that I want that I order to read and have not started reading them and it's because I have so much so much catching up to do with homework that by the time I'm done I don't want to read. But it's in my heart that I want to read those books. So I think like what Miss Kim said, you know, when you're driving down the street or when you're got some downtime you can listen to the book. Excuse me, that would make things a lot easier. I definitely would get through some of these books. I would have finished them a long time ago if I would have got them in audio. Because <laughs> they're just sitting here yeah. in decoration for years. <laughs> but I want to read yeah. them. I really do. I have it in my heart to read them. Mr. Ron, <laughs> do you read a lot of books? I read a lot of books, but... Um... Being in my position, I get a lot of books from people to read. So if if someone wants to come into the facility or wants me to use their books for group, they will send me. As a matter of fact, I have Latoya's book and uh, Miss Love's book, two each of their books that I need to read (laughs) because they're doing group at the facility. So I get lots of books. As a matter of fact, I don't even have to buy books. People just give me their books to read. <laughs> but I love reading. I love reading them. Mm. That's good. You must read fast. I don't read fast because uh, my grandmother was a pastor. She taught us how to read the Bible. So she taught you mm. how to live the words and, and take them in and digest the pages. So as I read, I have to like go somewhere in my head where the book is trying to take me. So and and that's how we grew up, just being deep thinkers. But I just like reading. Mm. Reading takes you it, it like it takes you away from your problems. It takes you to another place. I think everybody either they can listen to audio books or they can read books. I'm mm. I'm just too. To purchase audio books, but I would love to have audio books. <laughs> you love reading, yeah. That's good. I love reading. Okay. You enjoy it, right? I enjoy it. My daughter loves reading, but she has a device on her phone that the pages flip as if you are reading a book because she doesn't want audio books. I do. She likes the old-fashioned way of reading, mm-hmm. so she buys 
and they're downloaded on a phone, and you turn the page as if you're reading an actual book. <laughs> it's close. It's as close as you can get to a book without having the, the big book. Yeah, but she purchased huh? the book, but she, she doesn't want to keep up with the book, so she, she has it downloaded on her phone. I know a lot of yeah. people do that. That's mm-hmm. good. That's smart. I do love I do love reading, and I read I read a lot. I don't watch television that much, so reading is what I do. Okay. Mhm. Philip, do you like reading books? Um, I used to read a lot of fiction mystery books. Okay. So, what do you do now? You don't read um, no, I don't. Okay. You get audio books? Have you tried that? Um, no, I haven't. Okay. Is there a reason why you don't read books anymore? Um, um I think it's kind of Boring, kind of ran its course. Does that make sense? Boring. What you say? It's boring, and what else? I don't really have time for it. Time for it, but I don't really feel like doing it anymore. Okay. Okay. Well, you do a lot of volunteering, so if that's what makes you happy. And that's what fills your heart. Then you're you're doing a good job. It's a personal thing. Like um, Miss Kim shared earlier, she likes the audio books. I read books. I have to make time to read some of my the books that I want to read because I'm reading a lot of things that I have to read, <laughs> not necessarily that I would choose right away. But um, yeah, Mr. Bill, do you read books? I do around more. the books. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm more like uh, Philip. I I read as a child voraciously. Now at first, I didn't, and um, they didn't know why I wasn't read. I didn't want to read, and I was in maybe second grade when uh, my father made a promise to me that if I there were three grade, there were three groups of readers in the second grade, the really good ones, the middle ones, and the bad ones, and I was in the bad group, which they surprised me. They were surprised about. So he said, if you work hard enough to get into one of the other groups and you stay there till the end of the year, um, I will give you a, a ride in a plane. Well, I was fascinated by that because he had been a pilot in, in World War II, and I just wanted to go up in the air somehow. So I got <laughs> busy learning how to read, and I read, and I got into the groups, the higher groups, and stayed there the rest of the year. And sure enough, he went. He took me out to the airport, and he hired a uh, a guy in his little little plane. You know, little uh, I don't know what you call them, Piper Cubs, little Piper Cubs, mm-hmm. like a three three or four seater plane. And um, you know, we we went for a ride, and we we flew all around the town, and flew over our house, and we could look down and see it, and all this. I was fascinated. So that was how mm-hmm. he bribed me into becoming a reader. And after that, I. I couldn't put books down, and I read a lot of books of all different kinds, but most of them were um, 
oh, detective stories and mysteries and whodunits and uh, Agatha Christie and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I started to enjoy historical novels, which I still enjoy, actually, or historic histories that um, that aren't strictly history. I like I like narratives around the history. But anyway, uh, now I don't read. Uh, you know, I went into the film business, film and TV, and my one of my professors said, you know, your your um, your textbook is the television, <laughs> and so I began to watch television and movies, uh, and sure enough, that's where I was learning my craft. Not, you know, not literature. Obviously, it's not all literature, but some is. Uh, and now I'm still watching a lot of TV, and I watch it for storylines, certainly, but also for the art direction and the acting capabilities and the writing and all that stuff, uh, and the mm-hmm. editing, which I was an editor. So I'm I'm pretty much uh, seeking out television shows that I can follow, um, and uh, and that's what I've been doing recently. Of course, I'm I'm really really busy with NASCA, so um, the, I don't have time really to sit down and read. I wouldn't have time anyway. So um, hmm. yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do these days. I watch TV. Okay. Well, whatever helps you get away in between your work. I mean, if you're when you're working, 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 volunteering, giving back, spending time with with people, and doing you know all the things that you love to do and you have to do. Sometimes you gotta kind of find something that entertains you. And if watching a good yeah. movie entertains you, that's a good thing. If reading a good book entertains you, that's a great thing. If spending time with uh, your pet makes you happy, then you do that. And whatever that oh, is. I, I, things, have my pet, uh-huh. I have my pet with me all the time. Little puppy <laughs> you, dog. What, what kind of pet do you have? He's a dog. He's about eight pounds. He's a small dog. Oh. And he's, he's the first little dog I've ever had. I always had, you know, 45-pound dogs and bigger. <laughs> but he's tiny. And um, he fits oh. in a bag you can put under your shoulder, you know. <laughs> Sometimes oh. my, my wife will take him out and she'll have him in a bag like that. And we'll go in the store and we'll be shopping. And then we get to the cash register and the and the woman at the cash register jumps because the bag moved. <laughs> you know? It's very funny, He's very quiet. He's very so. Anyway, he's what a, kind of dog? He's my buddy. Hmm? What kind of dog is it? He's part Portuguese, not Portuguese, uh, Pomeranian, part Maltese. Uh, Maltese. Okay, is it a so, white um, color dog? He's he's white with some tan, a little bit, but he's a long haired, you know, long haired dog. But he doesn't. Aww. He doesn't shed a lot because he has his hair. It's not for hair. I I got a dog of this type deliberately because my wife is allergic to pets, pet hair. Okay. Uh, have a cat, but also, uh, you know, twenty percent of dogs have hair and eighty percent have fur, so I need to uh, avoid that. 
And sure enough, he has no reaction to his hair. Yeah. Ooh, hypoallergenic dog. He adores her. He spends his day with me. Oh, <laughs> So he's a well-behaved doggy. That's he's nice. Yeah, very lucky about him. He doesn't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> He's the baby. That's nice. The fourteen-year-old baby. You know. A fourteen-year-old. Wow. Yeah, but he's in good health. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I know. Been a part of the family for a while. That's good. I'm Does anybody else have? Twenty years. Not impossible. Well, no, I do have. Well. The kids have a dog. <laughs> the kids have a dog. My kids have a dog. <laughs> but they don't really take care of the dog. <laughs> look, look at me. I was going to say, how does that work? <laughs> Girl, please. Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> but mine's is a little Pomeranian that barks all the time, so it drives me crazy. But. I'm not going to complain tonight on the show. Anybody else have a nice pet? <laughs> My neighbors have a nice Sherman Shepherd. Oh, oh I yeah. love German Shepherds. Yeah. And it's a friendly dog? Friendly German Shepherd? Um, I think so. I haven't really gotten to know it yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever it is that makes you happy. A lot, of, a lot of people use pet therapy because, you know, some of these pets, the ones that are well-behaved, they bring joy in your life. They make you happy and, you know, you are taking care of this other, I won't say human being, this other, in, in this, in this little animal that, uh, you know, depends on you. And you get to give it love, check on it, and build a relationship. And um, it's a beautiful thing. They're like your buddy. You know, they keep you company and all that good stuff. I used to have a, um, when I was younger, I had a pet squirrel. I know it sounds weird, but we found a baby squirrel, and then we had the squirrel for a while, but then my mother released it back into nature. But it was nice having a little pet squirrel. She used to sit with me. And watch TV. It was good. <laughs> uh, I had a good experience with that little squirrel. So, you know, I had lovebirds. I had dogs growing up. So it helped me. It helped me. It taught me, you know, responsibility, how to care for something other than myself. Growing up, I used to have pets. I enjoyed it. It was cool. I'm a huge pet lover and always have been. Um, and, you know, my poor mother used to, I used to drag things home and she let them come in the house, except for she didn't like rodents. So <laughs> rodents had to stay in the garage in a cage. <laughs> Anything else could come in the house. I mean, I had all kinds of stuff. I'd find them in the woods. I'd find them on the farm. I'd find them all over the place. Oh, oh man. Um, I settled on dogs, you know, because they're uh, they're so unique. The relationship between a man and a dog, or you know, humans and dogs, canine, unbelievable. The 
developed over, I guess, millions of years, I don't know, certainly tens of thousands of years, that these two species that are completely different found each other, um, you know, to benefit each other, and they became such strong allies and friends and family. They really are family. The people always talk about their dog being their baby, always. And um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's really a fascinating thing to be just the topic of how unique, more unique than any other relationship of two species it is for a dog and a, and a person. You know, they'll stay loyal to each other forever, the whole life. I agree. I think um, their innocence and then the fact that you're taking care of something that's bigger than just yourself. You're not just being selfish. You're really like taking care of something that depend literally depends on you, like a baby, yeah. literally. Yeah. That's why some people say it's like their baby because literally it is like a baby. So, you know, not everybody... Um, is into pets, but that's okay. Not everybody's into children. Some people don't want kids. Some people don't want pets. I think it's a personal thing, and if it makes you happy and it makes you a better you, and, you know, it's it's part of uh, healing therapy. Like there's music therapy. Some people, hey, reading therapy, (laughs) singing therapy. There's all kinds of therapy. So if you're happy and you're a better person because of it, it's always a great thing. Miss Kim, you have a pet? I mean, you're Miss Kim. <laughs> um, I don't anymore. I haven't for about seven, eight years or so. But I always been, been my son was sure that he was being neglected and abused because I never got him a dog. But I knew that I'd have to take care of it. <laughs> You know, right. even though they say, totally. oh, no, we'll do it. It's like, yeah, how does that mm-hmm. really work? It doesn't. <laughs> so yeah. we just have cats. Well, I mean, they have, I, I let them have rodents in the house. They have some mice and gerbils and things like that, too. Mm-hmm. I never gave into mm-hmm. the dog thing, and now all of my kids have dogs. So now <laughs> I have granddogs, and I can visit them. It works well. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they come visit me sometimes, and they leave me little surprises in my backyard. So I, you know, it's just like having a dog. <laughs> it's kind of like having one. Um, I know, Philip. You said that you spend time at the farm. Did you make a farm comment? A ranch or horse ranch? A ranch. Okay. Do you play with the animals at the ranch? Um, I pet the cows. And the horses. Oh. Do they have baby uh, cows or baby horses? Yes. Or just they're all There's baby. two baby oh. cows. I love all the baby animals. I love baby animals. They're so cute. You said there's two baby cows? Yes. Okay. In my um, In my country when I was growing up, we used to go to like uh, the city market and they would have these baby chicks, little baby chicks. And they'd be, sometimes they would, I don't know why they would be different colors, but I guess they probably used to use like a food coloring type of thing to color their fur. 
So some will be purple, some will be pink, or something like that. I don't remember what they used, but I remember I used to love playing with the baby chicks. And where we lived, we had, like, in the backyard, we did have, like, a couple of, like, probably chickens and a chicken coop, and, uh, you know, they would lay eggs. And then so sometimes we would just get a couple of the baby chicks and, I was just so happy to see the little chickens. They were so cute, but they grow so fast. But when the, when animals are in that baby stage, they, to me, they're just so adorable. They melt my heart. They do melt my heart. So. That's what Whatever. I used to always think about I'm like, I just want a baby. And then they just kept growing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. They don't stop growing. Oh, That's Philip. the thing. Yeah, I know. Philip, have you ever ridden a horse? Um, no, but I'd like to. Yeah, I was gonna say that the horses are so so therapeutic, and there are places, and probably places out by where you're at. I don't know, but um that do like horse lessons and I mean horses are so calming. They really are. They're just so so serene. And that's when I was staying with my daughter out of her house. She had three horses and chickens and a dog <laughs> and a rooster. And um <laughs> and I love to just go down and talk to the horses. I've never really ridden them either, but um, I mean, I just like to spend time with them because I, I just think they're so fascinating and I think <laughs> they're probably freezing. But I'm just a grandma, so <laughs> like put some blankets on those horses. They're cold outside. Right, <laughs> but it is. I like to, to spend time with. With horses too. But yeah, maybe that's something else that they can get you out of the house if you were interested in it. Get a pet? Yeah. Philip, would you consider getting a pet? Uh, no. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, I'd like to have a horse. Oh, okay. One of my clients has a horse. So she had two, but she got rid of one. She has one now. Horses are nice. Horses are nice. And they're a lot of work. And, and one of the yeah. things that uh, makes them worthwhile is they're kind of similar to, uh, I mentioned before, the relationship between a canine and a human. Horses can be that way, too. But the problem with the horses, of course, it's 1,500 pounds, you know. Can't oh, yeah. bring it in the house. You know, it can't sleep in the bed with you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it needs a lot of attention. Put on your lap. But um, I, I ride, and uh, I haven't done it in a little couple of years, but I ride. And uh, I also grew up, um, for four, four years I was on a, in a place that had cows, had, had 85 dairy cows, and they often had about mm, – half a dozen calves each year born. And I used to like to go down to the calves and, and um, let them suck on my fingers. Do you ever have that? Do you ever do that? <laughs> you put your fingers out? 
this is for a baby yeah. cast, not you know. Aww. And they and they and they. It's a, it's the weirdest <laughs> sensation. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. You know, and they and they um, they're they're not like they're not like dogs and and horses, but horses are horses are smart like like that. It's just they're so big. Uh, but they do smart. recognize you. They know. You know, if you have something in your pocket, they can smell. They're good at smelling. Uh, they, they, um, you know, they know your routine. They know the sound of your car as opposed to anybody else's. You know, <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, they're really smart. Yeah, I heard that uh, they eat chocolate sometimes. Is it chocolate? Like one of my cousins told me that she gives it. Oh, okay. Peppermint candy. Is it peppermint candy? Yeah. You ever, that's what I heard, that they eat peppermint candy. I'm like, what? Well, she said they love sugar. peppermint candy. Oh, okay, they do love sugar. That's what it is, candy. Oh, yeah. You can give them a, a sugar cube. They're, they're delight, you know, they're delighted. <laughs> <laughs> that is so <laughs> funny. I have half an apple. It disappears in two seconds. They love that too. <laughs> an apple, you said? Yeah, half an, an apple or a bunch of carrots. They're they're pretty they're pretty big animals, so they eat a lot. You know, they can eat a lot. But yeah, yeah. Horses are the horses are very very beautiful. I remember one time. Um, I was driving to Walmart, and this guy rode his horse and parked it at Walmart, <laughs> parked the horse at Walmart <laughs> outside. And I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> and he, he rode his horse down to Walmart. He, it was like kind of the countryside. That was down somewhere in the kind of country-ish side. But he rode his horse to Walmart, parked outside. <laughs> Parked the horse and then went inside and came back out. I was like, "That is so cool!" And I would love to be able to do that. I have not, I've never uh, rode a horse, but I would love to do that. That's one of my uh, things on my list to do: ride a horse. I, I just saw this uh, these couples on vacation, and they got they were in Jamaica, and they were riding the horse, and they walked like across like a small. Uh, lake type of uh, body of water, and it was really nice, you know, because the people that were giving them the tour know where to take them and how it was safe, and the horses were well behaved. They weren't like taking off with the people, so um, oh, no. you know they all walked in a row. Huh? No, I said you can't, you can't have a, you can't have a misbehaving horse. They're, it's a big deal. <laughs> So they, yeah. you know, you could go to a camp, a, a, a camp, uh, you know, a riding place, and ask if you could uh, be, you know, borrow a horse or rent a horse for a couple hours or an hour, and you know, the people would go with you uh, if you wanted them to, and they, and they would rather do that, especially with a new person. They, they wouldn't let you take a horse out. They, they're afraid for you. They don't want you to hurt yourself. But well, they also want to choose one of the more docile horses that they have. You know, mm-hmm. because uh, horses have different personalities, and uh, and they know the owners. You know that know which ones are okay mm-hmm. for a beginner to ride, and which ones aren't. Which so. ones will not go for it because their personalities are so strong. 
Well, That's we right. are wrapping up, y'all. We made it to the end of the of the few seconds that we have left. So we just want to tell everyone thank you for joining us. And we hope that everybody has a wonderful night. You guys say good night. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, everyone. Good night.